I'm Ted Baker, and this is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 74, looking back at Canisius and ahead to the oldest rivalry in the history of the game, Cornell, Tuesday afternoon, 5 o'clock at Shoalcop Field, joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Greg Raymond. Welcome back. Thanks, Ted. Before we talk about the game, let's talk about the Athletic Day of Donors last week. The, the heat was on. <laughs> I felt yeah. it, man. It's like, can we do a million dollars again? We did do a million dollars as a school, and uh, how did Lacrosse Nation represent? Uh, our, our best ADOD yet, man, by far. Uh, I got a comment on this this ambassadors program that we put together, Ted. Uh, we we thought up an idea, uh, Dulcie and, and me and, and our, our SA board, um, just uh, a, a kind of a quick a quick plan to put together, recruit some uh, alums that we uh, that we titled as ambassadors of our program, and and we want uh, we want this ambassadors program to remain and, and stay stalwart throughout a year and and year to year. Um, but we had uh, a bunch, you know, over thirty ambassadors that reached out to their respective classes and teammates and uh, talked about our fundraising initiative the the things we need why we need them uh the reasons behind it and um we're just uh awesome on that day and and even before and will be after just in terms of the motivation they provide to teammates that the emails they sent the calls they made they just they they just flat out put out work they just they spent time with their busy lives volunteered it to uh uh to get more people engaged and get the percentage up um I'm very proud at how this great network responded. Um, we're in a terrific position right now financially and um, in our fundraising account with the Greece trip coming up, all the all the travel we need to do this spring, um, uh, assistance salaries, everything that's on that uh, sports-specific fundraising initiative, I, I mean, we're, we're in a beautiful position with all of them. The, the most confident and comforted we've been from a financial standpoint going forward. And, and we're asking a lot in, in a scenario where, you know, we're, um, we're moving and shaking in season and uh, have a team trying to figure this thing out and doing a great job working their butts off and, and our alums just showing up uh, because of the, the experience they had here. That's the, the whole, the whole ploy, really the main message that our ambassadors sent out was, Let's let's just reflect on the time we had there and the successes we had, the failures we overcame, the the mentorship we got from um, Coach Schmidt, DJU, and and um, you know all of these great people, these great Hobart statesmen of the past. Um, guys just responded to that really well, and you know I think the translation is our guys here knowing what pride all of these folks have in the program that they they played for and that they represent now. So we, we couldn't be more pleased. We're humbled and, and uh, just very grateful to be in a place where when you ask, people step up. And, um, yeah, I think this is the, the most successful day we've had yet, and it will be the most successful fundraising year we've had yet because of this give back and because of this participation. So we just have to say a big, huge thank you. We're going to do our best to to thank to thank people uh, more intimately uh, through email and text and calls as as time goes on here. But again, I think uh, 
just another reminder of of the great program and the power behind such a tradition-based program that we have here. I said a couple of times during the broadcast, the money is terrific. That's the primary purpose is to raise those funds. But what it symbolizes, the fact that so many people care, that's the great part. Yes, and the, and that and that was the biggest thing, Ted, was again that word, the the participation. It it's just, you know, our outreach had to improve because I know that every time we do, uh, every time we send a consistent message, uh, the pride comes forward and, and the participation increases. So we 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 looked at the numbers from of how many participate, knew that it needed to improve, and um, and then as soon as you send that message, it's it's inevitable that people just show up and and they give back and they and they just prove their care. So uh, again, just. Um, an awesome day for for all programs, but in particular for Hobart Lacrosse, we just uh, we feel blessed to be here. You picked up your first win of the season, thirteen to nine over Canisius and the Pool Family Dome. And we talked before the game. One of the things you mentioned was dog plays, just plain old want to getting after it. And we really saw that in that game. The 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 dedication to going after ground balls, the wing play on the faceoffs, the uh, the hits, the takeaways, uh, the the bone plays were there. No doubt. No doubt. And it's the first thing we commented on in film. And, you know, we have four goals uh, or four focuses, rather, in each competition. It's our clearing percentage. It's our ground balls. And we stated this last week, our clearing percentage, our ground balls, um, the over-under and turnovers. Uh, can we be superior in that fashion? And can we make more gray area plays, more care plays? And one thing we talked about, Ted, and I'm just glad you said it, is we're, we're going to have to be able to see these. That's what we said before the Canisius game. We got to see the care. You know, we have to see the passion. Uh, we have to see the willingness and ability to put all things aside and find different ways to gain possession of the ball, to find different ways to outwork an opponent. And, you know, I thought, you know, full transparency, I, I think it's one of the better Canisius teams that we've played, uh, specifically defensively. Um, and they, they bring in a couple guys offensively that seemed like they could possess the ball a lot better, make better decisions with it. So, you know, all the preconceived notions of who Canisius is and what's happened in the past and all that stuff, I do think it still has an impact on that game. I wish it didn't, but it's, it just does. And, and I do think that even with that stigma or or what's supposed to happen in that contest, I think our guys did a really good job at, at showing what, what hard work looks like and, and what some care in between the lines and in between plays needs to be in order to get a victory at this level these days. And for those who don't know, uh, Canisius went out on Saturday at Robert Morris and picked up an overtime win, 9-8. Yeah, you know, and they and then they beat Bellarmine, Bell, a Bellarmine team that goes toe-to-toe with Ohio State, you know, the week before. Bellarmine's not a bad program. They've got a good team. We've seen them play good lacrosse. And so they go into Bellarmine, they go into Kentucky and get a big win on the road. And so you you look at a team that went into Michigan, played at Michigan and fought a couple days later, stay on the road. They go down to they go down to Louisville and get another win or get their first win. And then they drive back and play in Geneva. And then they drive down to Pittsburgh, and so you, you, they just seems like they got some tough guys, and what what seems like they got to have some pretty good leadership. So uh, I 
I, I'm convinced that that is a pretty good Canisius team. And and um, no matter how you draw it up, if you're beating Robert Morris at Robert Morris and you're beating Bellarmine at Bellarmine, you've got a few good things in the works there. So I, I look at it as a good win, a good first win. And, um, you know, we are uh, we're in the process here of gearing up against, you know, what's clearly a bigger, stronger, faster opponent than Canisius. And I'm not embarrassed to say and and Kanisha shouldn't be embarrassed to hear that as well I mean Cornell's very good so we just see that um the elevation of play at this level is paramount it's consistent you see teams getting better and better and um we have to keep can do we have to keep doing the same all right let's get the glass half empty out of the way you go up nine to two with 412 to go in the half and then don't score again for 26 minutes what what changes uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if, if anything, I, I think there were, um, about 50 pipe shots that we shot. We, we, we shot a bunch that got knocked down. It, you know, we felt like our hands were free all day and, uh, you know, in full transparency, glass half empty, we're, we're not shooting the ball great right now in game. Our, our shooting percentage is, is in the 20s that's got to improve and the turnover situation is too high you know so that's two games in a row where we've had you know over 15 turnovers in the offensive end and, and we've got to change that it's, it's especially uh tomorrow night so um i think that if if we shoot the ball to a, to a little bit of a better spot and we uh um we take care of the ball a little bit better in a couple different decision making scenarios um the uh the the whole the whole outlook at that span of twenty minutes where we're not putting the ball in the net changes. So um, we've talked a lot about and worked a ton this whole week. It's been a long week, man. We've you know we played Tuesday night. Um, guys, the guys have to have off on Wednesday, and then we treated that like a Sunday. We practiced Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here with them, and and so it's been a long week for these guys, and we we put them in positions where. They're scoring the ball often and getting our defense in positions where they're handling the ball often with some with some pressure and this and that. And we just got to hope that through that work and and what our guys are doing on a day to day basis, that that shooting percentage improves and that turnover number goes down. It seems to me like a lot of those turnovers are coming on sideline passes, especially a guy coming out of the sub box that, that just that guy comes running in and and someone scales it over his head. Is there something he can do to address that? Well, I think just, you know, making sure that technique is paramount and that, you know, in, in certain situations where, you know, we may be a little bit tired after a defensive possession and uh, or maybe a little bit tired after a long offensive possession, whatever the scenario is, um, what we see in our guys still is that, you know, sometimes technique and and discipline in certain areas, whether whether it's handling the ball, Ted, or playing the ball, dodging with the ball, um, you know, some of those things they we, we have to hone in on the details that make that person with the ball just a little bit more focused and um and show that there's always time. We keep saying in practice, there's always time to do it right. You know, you don't have to rush through a scenario, you don't have to rush through to throw the ball, you don't have to rush to to get the ball to another player. You just gotta make sure that your feet are moving, your hands are free, and and you have focus with that ball for at least one more second. So um, we've talked about that a bunch, and and I do believe that as time goes on here, you know, with the right amount of fight and and, and some great leadership that remains, that those passes are just going to continue to get better. They need to. 
you got to rotate both your face-off guys, and both were dominant. 20 out of 24 total, and it was a great mix. Some of them were quick wins. Some of them were grinded out. Some of them were wing. You were just all over the ball off the X. Yeah, you know, and I think that uh, Mikey Valent's got to be commended here. I, I think he came in and played and didn't really look like a, a first-year athlete. I think he was um, showed the toughness that he's got. I think we had we felt like going into that game we had a big leg up there, and, and if our wings did their job consistently, that we felt like Shea and Mike were going to do a pretty good job winning the ball. But if you look at a couple of those plays, I mean, if you talk about Bones, Mikey and Shea had a bunch just – tough, tough, tough ground balls and traffic and, and doing the right thing with the ball afterwards, getting to good space and and finding an open teammate, all that stuff was, was paramount. So, you know, when you lose Seamus, who, you know, full transparency is one of our most improved players, you know, going into the season, we we've just been thrilled with what he's done from September up until that point where, where he has had an injury. You just need a guy like Mike to step up, you know, and, uh, we're asking Nick Sotaropoulos to kind of be a, um, a jack of all trades here and, and a Swiss Army knife to a degree. So he's taking some faceoffs for us and and um, you know just getting some can, some consistent balance in those scenarios has been important. But at this point, because of all that Shea does and and what his body needs, we need to be able to put another guy in there like Mikey that can not only get Chase some rest, but execute very effectively. And and since then, the week that Mike's had has been great. You know, he I think that that's the game he needed to just boost a little confidence and and show he's very capable. And now, you know, we face off against Cornell with um with great guys and and good depth. So those two are going to need to have a good game again. But I do believe that that is a strength of our team. I think what what Shane Mike could do at the dot, and what we're going to ask our wings to continue to do uh, on a game to game basis, is has got to be a strength for us. So we're very proud of those guys and and how they responded to a challenge Tuesday night, and then um, anxious to see how they perform again uh, tomorrow here. The midfield's a little bit in flux right now. You've missed John Hurley he with injury. You've been trying out a few different guys. James Green had two goals. Uh, we've seen Michael Cardinale get some midfield runs. Uh, Colton Swisher has started a game in the midfield. Uh, assess where you are with your midfield group right now. Yeah, you know, still, still a little bit depleted, you know, and uh, we we uh, we we recognize that. I think our team recognizes that, and and um, you know, we're getting getting great play out of a couple of these guys. And in in a perfect scenario. Um, you know, James Green is all, was always going to play for us, Ted. I think James is is a great player and um, uh, has some capabilities and uh, does some things with the ball and without the ball that um, when he's on, it, he does some things that are just tough to coach. He he's he's just he he's good, and so um, we need him to continue to get into this groove. We we had high aspirations for him. We still do, and and need him now to just kind of see the the importance of the role that he has and and how much more consistent he needs to play but again getting in a great groove had a good game Tuesday and then has had a has had a great week afterwards you know so sometimes you just some you know my my coaching staff when I played always used to say you know one man's floor is another man's ceiling sometimes and what what you face with some injury and um when when injuries attack your depth 
the right guys can step up and and play good ball for you. So um, we you're going to see those guys Tuesday night. James for sure. He would have played Tuesday night no matter what. But you know guys like Swish and Cards. Um, they're good players. They've gotten good minutes. They've shown that we can trust them offensively, and we're, we're going to need some guys to fill in some big shoes and and you know get their feet to grow a little bit too. So um, you know, as uh, as as the great phrase states, you know, next man up. That's just how we have to be at this point. You know, we do have some guys out with some significant stuff, and uh, that's going to remain that way for the rest of the season, unfortunately. But uh, good thing is we've got great guys. We've got great workers and um, great people as well that are that are very willing to take on a role and uh, and do so in a Division One execution form. So I'm proud of those guys again, and the pressure is going to be on Tuesday night, and they they got to play at a, at a pace and a capacity that – that warrants some great possessions and, and earns us a victory. So uh, they keep uh, they keep earning great time, and, and we're going to keep uh, playing those guys because we need them to play well. Special teams, you couldn't ask for more. Six of 12 and the man up 50%. You've allowed only two of 11 man down. And it, it seems to me with those units, a lot of it's just confidence. You, you attack the goal when you're man up, and when you're man down, you're not afraid to just get out on the perimeter and really go after them. Sure, sure. And th- thank you for saying that. You know, I think, you know, Coach Mule first deserves, uh, Coach Muller deserves uh, a lot of credit for what he's doing with our man down unit. And, you know, we've got some good specialty guys out there, you know, specifically um, there, there's some guys in some specialty positions here that um, come off the bench cold, uh, you know, Vinny Orlando and uh, and Joel Stevens, two guys that, you um, you know, may not play a ton in in some certain scenarios, but then you depend on them in some very high pressure scenarios. You know, and I think uh, they deserve to be commended and deserve to be addressed because you know you throw a guy in there specifically that you know Joel Stevens gets a great bone on on Tuesday for coming in in a man down possession. You know, Puppy gets a penalty for for going all out and and chasing down those bones. Joel comes in. And um, has a great man down possession. We back up a shot. He gets the ball, stabilizes his hands and his feet and is clear and um, hunts the ball down, clears it himself, makes a great pass to to Anthony for for a next possession. And that stuff doesn't really get noticed in a stat sheet, you know, but, you know, Vinny comes down, he's got ability or comes in, he's got an ability to knock down balls. He picks up a huge ground ball for us in, in this scenario. So um, that's, that's what makes specialty positions special is that those guys come in, get tough and do their job. And, you know, I think offensively from a man up perspective, you know, we've been, we've had to switch some guys in for, you know, Sam Ward, who's back now, but had, uh, had some bumps and bruises and, you know, Johnny, who's had some bumps and bruises has been in and out. And, you know, we've put, you know, Troy in those positions and James in those positions and um, asked Chris Patterson to step up as a young guy in those positions. So again, that's just elevating your play in a scenario where, uh, you, you know, you've got an offense advantage or you got a defensive disadvantage and you just got to, you got to take those as special moments. So um in a pretty good place with both of those things. And, and uh, once again, when you play the big, fast, and strong, Tuesday night is when they're, they're really up to the test. So we'll see how they do. One more thing before we talk about Cornell, because I mentioned this during the Day of Donors. We haven't mentioned it yet on the podcast. Uh, the win was the 800th in the history of this program. There are very few programs that can make that claim, and that's uh, that just points to this rivalry on Tuesday. Yes, yes. And, and I said this to you, I think, Ted, in that ADOD scenario, I, you know, 
I, I wish I was a part of uh, the majority of those 800 wins. You know, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't, but, you know, feel very privileged and honored to to lead a program that has had that much success throughout the course of time. I, you know, I do believe it motivates us. It it keeps us in a grounded position. And and again, from the ADOD statement, even to that, it's like, you know, how fortunate are we to be a part of a program and how fortunate am I to run a program that has has operated with that much pride and consistency over the course of time? So um, we are uh, we're, we're in a place where that that type of number fuels us, motivates us, and and we hope we can just keep adding to that number as time goes on. Cornell opened up with a 17-13 win at home over Lehigh. They went out to Denver last Saturday and lost a wild game, 17-16. Is that the kind of game this is going to be? Well, you know, we we got to keep the scoring down uh, for sure. It, they're they're ter- they're a terrific team, Ted. They they're balanced everywhere. They have arguably, you know, the best player in the country and and uh, and cursed. And um, he is a dynamic scoring threat, one of the best that there is, one of the best that there's ever been. And um, and then they've got an excellent uh, behind the goal and and uh, quarterback attackman and Michael Long that. Uh, is is a graduate student with a ton of experience, and so um, you know those two guys in particular make them go. But then they also surround them with a couple great freshmen and um, some leading figures, and you know Spencer Wertheim and and uh, um, you know number twenty seven, the big strong midi that they have there. So they've got parts to the hole. They've got uh, some good guys defensively. You know they lose a probably. Uh, what we thought was the best defenseman in the country a year ago and maybe the best goalie in the country a year ago. So I think there there's still some openings there, but they're balanced everywhere. And, um, you know, this isn't a game where, you know, we're working entirely focused on um, what the end score is going to be. We have to play it um play to play and um and make sure that the stuff that we, we got an opponent there that prides themselves in the gray area too so with all those great parts they're great on the ground they clear the ball effectively they ride really hard um and they, and they want to quote unquote add bones to to their game plan and in their execution so um for us it's can we can we be tough in between those lines again and can we show that, that care and that that fortitude that a game like this requires and so um we we don't know what that end score looks like all that we know is that if they're scoring 16 17 18 goals it's going to be a tough game for us so we've got to find a way to make good decisions offensively you know make sure that the ball's in our stick when it is and um do a great job of limiting the 15s and the ones of the world at cornell and also recognizing just uh how much their supporting cast is ready to play as well. So we got a great test, um, you know, with, um, again, some guys out that uh, that won't be able to play Tuesday night, but some great ones that still can, and and we need to execute a game plan 15 minutes at a time and put four together here. You might be catching a break here at the X. Jack Cascadden, their faceoff man, won 75% in the opener but didn't play in the Denver game, so I don't know if he's hurt or what his status is for this game. Yeah, neither do we, and uh, – you know, I mean this in the best way possible. Uh, you know, we hope he's hurt, <laughs> but, you know, he's a terrific player. But, you know, then you got, uh, if you watch that game, Ted, um, you know, they have uh, that number 20 out. But then, um, you know, they put in their backup faceoff guy against um, 
you know, the the number three, uh, Mark Silos or, or or Silos, however you say his name. I thought he did a terrific job, you know, battling Denver's faceoff guy who's uh, you know, terrific. Again, arguable as one of the better ones in the country. So, um, you know, what you get, what you get and, you know, where's number 20? Why isn't he not playing? And then you watch the game and go, all right, well, number three is doing a pretty good job. So, um, you know, they're just competitors. I, I, I believe whoever's out there, whether it's 20 or three is going to do their best to impact that game. But, you know, we think they're going to have their hands full with our guys too. So it, it's, um, um, not something that I can comment on in terms of I know exactly who's playing. I just don't, but uh, I know who's playing for us, and um, I think those guys are going to be very prepared to have a to have a great impact on the outcome. Anything noteworthy that they do tactically that we should watch for? Um, they give the ball to fifteen, and he's one of the most athletic guys in the world. Uh, they give the ball to number one, and he is uh, terrific at finding open players and and running their offense. And uh, you know, I think. Honestly, tactically, is the energy they bring. You know, Cornell is, as much as, I I mean, I've competed against these guys as a coach at Princeton for a long time, and then as soon as you come here, you have the oldest rivalry or the longest game in uh, the history of, of the sport. So we're talking about, you know, 10 years here, eight years at at Princeton, so 18 years where it's like, you know, Cornell's circled on your on your calendar every single season and so you know I've seen them there's not a team that I know better in the country if I can be honest and they don't change no matter when they play no matter who they play specifically at Shulkoff Field um, their best execution or their best weapon is the energy and the physicality that they bring each day they will be charged up you know, after a loss, they'd be charged up if they beat Denver by 30. That's just who they are, you know, and their coaches deserve uh, some praise for that. Their their leaders deserve praise for that. But the cultural balance that they've put in that program is special. It just is. It's it's uh, something that is recognized by opponents. So um, as good of a players as as those couple guys that I've mentioned are, they got a gr- couple great cover guys and and um and so on and so forth, uh, we have to match and exceed energy and physicality. That's just uh, that's the, the, the type of game it's going to be. Well, let's hope uh, Hobart Nation travels well. It'll be the best weather we've had for a Sholkoff game. You won't have to sit in the snowbank over there on the far side. Tuesday at 5 o'clock, uh, Hobart and Cornell in uh, game four of the season. Coach, thanks as always. Always appreciate it. Judy, thanks, Ted. This has been the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast with Coach Greg Raymond. You can find this podcast wherever you go to get podcasts, be it Apple or Google or Spotify or anyplace else, and get all your athletics news from the official website, hwsathletics.com. Till next time, have a great lacrosse week.